Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Well, folks, I'm so excited to have here with me today my guest, Aaliyah Hammerferbert, who is going to be sharing with us about her research that she did on interpersonal synchrony's role in survivors of sexual violence. And I have to say that finishing off season 10 of the Beyond Surviving podcast with Aaliyah is really exciting because just graduated from high school, off into college, and already doing such badass work. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> But mostly like inspired, you know, this, this research that she's done on and, you know, as a part of her AP capstone diploma program is really fascinating. There will be a link in the show notes if you want to go and read um, the full um, research paper. Uh, and, you know, you're stepping in. Aaliyah, welcome. I'm just so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining me. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm you know, I think it's so fascinating when you reached out months and months and months and months ago with the, you know, this research project, I'm always so excited to support, um, you know, folks who are out there doing things and particularly younger generations. I think you all have just such a, a, a leap ahead in so many ways with, you know, um, being able to access and talk about, you know, these topics in a way. And I'm just so curious about how this all unfolded and excited to share this um, with the Beyond Surviving audience. So I think um, one of the things where I would like to start is just when you were presented with, you know, okay, this is the project that I need to do and kind of coming up with ideas about what you wanted to research and what you wanted to explore. How did you land on, you know, this idea of synchronous versus asynchronous healing? Um, but yeah, my process with this was pretty like, kind of strange because we're given a year to work on it and over like winter break I was like I don't like my project my topic was before it was on um like it was mostly on romantic literature and then I just didn't feel connected to the topic and I wanted to switch it 
So I was thinking about something that I had learned last year about synchronization. And then I was, there was one movement in particular, and it's translated to a rapist in her path. And it's a Chilean song that became an anthem to discuss um, sexual violence and attack ideas of victim blaming. And I was like, this is a really amazing movement. And there was so much synchronization within like the synchronous like chanting and movement together. Um, so I wanted to like look into the benefits of synchronization within survivors of sexual violence. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I love I love that you were open to pivoting because sometimes when we get an idea, we're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then even if we're not loving it, we kind of get stuck in. So kudos to you for shifting gears. And, you know, I came across that video of the the Chilean women um, maybe about three months ago, which is years behind when it actually happened. I thought, oh, my gosh, how is this not? Maybe I just wasn't on the right, you know, channel or whatever. But I was so surprised that it hadn't, you know, crossed my page before. And I, too, was so struck by just the power of the repetition and the collective, you know, voice. Um, along with yeah, choreography and these sorts of things that they brought into it too. So I love that as kind of a, a jumping off point. Let's get some terms kind of clarified for our audience just in case. So how would you define interpersonal synchrony? Or can you just tell us a little bit like what is synchrony versus asynchrony? Let's make get everybody on the same page. <laughs> um, so interpersonal synchrony, it can be defined as instances where two or more people engage in movements or speech that is simultaneous so they're doing it at the same time so this can look like chanting or singing together or marching just anything that's done in unison with other people mm, beautiful yeah. and so then that asynchrony is just when people are doing things separate in their own little corners they're not mm -hmm. you know in that same space together yeah absolutely so when you started out and you were curious to explore this before you got your results, before you really dug in and saw how things shook out, um, you know, what was your instinct about synchronization as far as benefits for sexual violence survivors? Um, well, I was thinking about the benefits just for like any population originally. So synchronization, there's a lot of pro-social benefits. So there's been a good amount of research done on the role of synchronization on like the group and how it can offer like a lot of like social cohesion and things like that. So I was curious about how that applies to survivors of sexual violence. And additionally, there isn't really much research done on the internal benefits of synchronization. Like it's mostly focused on how it can influence a group. So I was thinking about the role within like the internal benefits for survivors of sexual violence. And I think that was pretty seen within the A Rapist in Your Path movement because it was like specific, the majority of the population singing that song were likely survivors of sexual violence. So I was really curious about that. Yeah, thank you. When we think about um, this idea of synchronization, does this, include things that people might think about like group therapy or sitting in the same space with each other or is it really just that step above when there's kind of this shared language or movement or chant is it one and the same are they different are they distinct I think they share a lot of similarities um 
I wouldn't say that they're the same, but they're probably like pretty similar and there's probably a lot of overlapping benefits in like group therapy versus like doing like things like synchronously. So imagining having like maybe you're running a group and you decide to kind of incorporate some of like synchronous activities. What did you find were some of the benefits of that? What was the impact of having people kind of come into this collective healing of sharing um, a movement or sharing um, a language or a chant or yeah, song? Mm -hmm. um, it was really interesting to see how it unfolded within the group because I was just like scared to do it like correctly and also just worried about like some of the lyrics within the like anthem it was like specific with sexual violence and I was afraid of people having a negative reaction and me not knowing how to help but actually seeing it um like actually seeing it come out there was like you could see the more like immediate benefits were just like a feeling of like catharsis like they you could see that it's just like more relaxed and being in a space with other survivors and then there was like a survey that I did of like a pre-test versus like post-test after engaging in the synchronization and 20 days 20 days after and 24 hours after there was a reduction in symptoms so originally I thought that only 24 hours there'd be a reduction, but in the 20 day period, like they continued to reduce symptoms of psychological distress. So that was very beneficial. And there was also a question that I asked about feeling connected to other survivors. And after the synchronization period, all of the participants within that group said that they felt connected. And I thought that was very powerful to feel that you're connected to that group. Yeah. Wow. I think that's so amazing. I mean, certainly so many people who experience sexual trauma, one of the first things that happens is you end up feeling very isolated, mm -hmm. right? Something now is different from me. I'm now not the same as my peers. And there's that sense of like, nobody else knows what this is like and nobody else can, can must be feeling what I'm feeling. And time and time again, as I'm doing my work and bringing people into communities or doing group programs, that echo of like, oh, it's just so good to know that I'm not alone um is such a powerful force in that healing process yeah because it really normalizes the experience we stop feeling so separate and apart from others yeah I completely agree and even like after we did the synchronization we just sat down and talked like it was something that yeah. wasn't even like we didn't had we hadn't planned to talk about it but it was just something that like you felt so connected to the group of people that you're doing it with that you want to be able to share your story. And not all participants like really talked, like some listened more than they talked, but even I think that there might've been benefits for them as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, there's something I'm I'm kind of wrestling with as we're talking about, like the way that to go from being feeling very individual and separate alone, and then how song or movement or a chant or reciting something together kind of, yeah, it generates this collective power. There's mm -hmm. like this, you know, energy so that it bolsters and rises up and lifts up.
everyone. And there's also this way, like this, like there's a power in that. When we think about like a movement for change, yeah, that we need many, many voices on the field, you know, not just one. And how when we, how wonderful to start to see the social impact that it, it can have when we have this collective voice, but also that it's happening on the micro level too for the individual, that it's all kind of playing a part in that when you think about taking the implications and the results of this study and applying it more broadly to the world and thinking about how we address, you know, things that we see happening in the world, what does that make you think of? Um, I think that for like, I think the one big implication of it is it could incentivize like the implementation of synchrony based activities for those who are caring for sexual violence survivors. So because there is a reduction in symptoms and because participants reported an overall beneficial experience from engaging in the synchronization, this could be a really good incentive to engage in synchronization. Um, for I don't, I'm not sure exactly for like the larger society, how it, what synchronization would really look like. I think that the past social movements that incorporate synchronization and seeing how far that they have gone says a lot about its impacts on the world outside of like individuals. Also with more of like the impl impl implications, sorry. Um, I think it could, like, this research, when I was, like, thinking about my project and what to do, I found that there was a lot of research on sexual violence survivors and just, like, the issue itself, but there was, that mainly focused on, like, the consequences of experiencing sexual violence and not really ways to heal from it, and then through synchronization, it kind of offers an avenue to be able to heal from from sexual violence. Yeah, yeah. There's this way in which, as you're sharing that, I'm thinking about how, as a movement, healing, ending gender violence, ending sexual violence, right, is... Um, gosh, there's this organization over there, that organization over here. Like we have all these different kind of arms of the movement, if you will. And there's no centralized kind of voice or system mm -hmm. there, right? And it's beautiful that we have all these different approaches, but I could see this way in which like, if we were able to create a more of a collective center, even like a, a chant, in some ways I'm thinking it's a little bit outside of your research, but the idea even of hashtag me too, it was like kind of this, this thing that put everybody like we could sit in this container together and feel like there was an identity there and that kind of propelled a moment that created a momentum that we hadn't seen before so when I think about the idea of like a song <laughs> it's like where's the line between cult and synchrony but yeah. like, <laughs> no that's know, true if, yeah what if we all had like that song or a chant or you know it's similar to like kind of like you see in AA right they have a certain they say the um is it the Lord's Prayer almost a, like it, when they kind of repeat that um grant me the patience I don't even know it but um it's kind of a, a little thing they repeat together at the beginning or end of meetings yeah <laughs> what do you think about that what does that bring um, up for you um it's it's pretty funny because 
synchronization there like it does have a lot of positive effects but it can also lead to like increased conformity and things like that so it does mm. like the like cults and stuff like I could see <laughs> right just like a lot of chanting within cults um but I really think that it's a really interesting connection to the me too movement and the like the other ways that you can feel a sort of like collective identity through like it doesn't even have to be through synchronization like there's so many ways to feel connected to others yeah yeah I love that yeah thank you so when how has this shaped or impacted just the way that you think about these issues in general or um, like your understanding of the issue of sexual violence or what's going on in our society what did you walk away with you know as as some some insights or mindsets from doing this research um I think that working with in this population it was very just like heavy to read and to I like listen to the stories of so many because they were very they were pretty diverse stories and the diversity like of the group they had a lot of different ages a lot of different like ranges of like cultural backgrounds and just like shows that there isn't a singular portrayal of what a victim looks like like there's so many people who have survived sexual violence yeah and yeah I think that that was probably like one of the most difficult things was just being able to um being able to realize that although there are so many people that have been affected by it it's not I don't want to say not normal, but it's not something that is okay, because I kind of had this idea that like everyone is going to be assaulted. And that's not really like the way a good way to look at it, I don't think. But just knowing that there's a really diverse group of people who have been and there's a really diverse way that people have even like conceptualized their trauma and have attempted to heal from it and understand it. I think you bring up a really interesting point in that when something is happening on a, a, a large scale, there is a way sometimes in which we become desensitized to it, yeah. numbed out to it. Like, well, that's just what happens or yep, that's there's nothing we can do about that. And so, yeah, that place in which we start to say, you know what, this is, you know, impacting broadly um, so, so many people and to stay alive in that conversation of what do we do about this? How do we continue to improve and make things, you know, better for the next generation and the next generation to come? Yeah, amazing. Other thoughts, Any anything I'm missing, any insights you gained or, you know, things that you'd like to share or say about this work that you did? Um, I think I want to go back to like the cultural aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I wish that I had done like more research on like, I wish it was more specific on like how people's culture has influenced it because there was like a component of my survey where I asked about like how their cultural background or identity has shaped the way that they've been like the way that they've tried to understand it and it was very like it was very interesting and it was very like it just showed how much one's 
cultural upbringing has influenced them. And I think that's a really interesting thing to research within sexual violence. And I wish that I focused more on it. <laughs> paper number two. Yeah. <laughs> There's another paper on the way. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, and that made, that makes me think a little bit about how like even culture impacts our comfort um, with something like a collective healing or collect, you know, synchronous activities. I'm thinking a little bit about like the Mari women in um, Australia, a little um, documentary I recently listened to and watching a woman like processing the grief that she was feeling about the loss of a child. And she had all of these other women circling her, right. And they were singing and they were dancing, but then they were holding space for her. And there was kind of this level of, of comfort and ease with kind of being with each other in each other's pain and then even just singing together and moving together and I can think about you know in some some societies or some cultures where that's you know really um a foreign concept or an idea that's really separate so even how culture might impact your um, access to and then comfort with mm -hmm. yeah. yeah awesome great send me the paper when you've got it written <laughs> You didn't know you were walking away with homework, did you? No, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, I just have to say, Leo, like when I was 17, I was still just wandering around in the woods in Oklahoma. I mean, I just, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed and, and so excited that, you know, you're, you're thinking on these levels and now you've stepped into college. I'm just curious, what do you see? You know, you don't have to have your whole future figured out yet. It's going to unfold for sure. But what are some of your dreams and ambitions at this point? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure. I really, I'm pretty interested in psychology and I want to like further look into, yeah, I just, I think that I want to major in psychology and hopefully English as well. Um, but as far as like professions go, I, I'm not really sure. I think I do want to help sexual violence survivors um, further within whatever I choose to do. And my the job that I have on on my campus right now, it's like working in the department of Title IX. So it's it's like kind of like a continuation of my project in some mm -hmm. aspects because it's like talking about um, bodily autonomy and healthy relationships. And it's just I'm, I'm really glad that I'm able to be able to discuss those things. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, my heart skipped a beat when you said English and psychology, because that was exactly, I did English in undergrad, oh. and then I went to graduate school and did so I feel you we have some common loves <laughs> and yeah. I'm just a few decades ahead of you that's all <laughs> oh my gosh well as we start to wrap up is there just anything that you would like final thoughts or final words for our audience today um I kind of want to like say thank you to my teacher who helped me with this project she yeah. was very very supportive my name is Ms. Kramer and also Ms. Yelm. Um, yeah, they're, they're really amazing people to guide me through this. And they're both very supportive of me changing my topic. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I definitely would not be able to have done any of this without them. So I'm really appreciative of them. 
Well, cheers to those teachers. Yes, we need those good mentors and guides. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just acknowledge you for your tenacity and for your courage and for your badassness um, <laughs> and all of those things. And I just wish you all the best in your future. And please know that I'm here in your corner as a resource and a support. So as life is unfolding, if you have thoughts or questions or you want to get engaged in the Beyond Surviving community anyway, like, just know that I'm here and I'm cheering you on and so excited to see what comes next for you, Leah. You. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much. Take really good care of you. And for everyone listening, that's a wrap. Season 10 is done, y'all. My goodness, a full decade of the Beyond Surviving podcast. So many great interviews. And again, what a wonderful way to wrap up with just this next generation coming hard y'all I mean it gives me hope for our future <laughs> you know y'all are bright and ready and going for it so thank you all for listening and um, until next time y'all take good care of you and thank you everybody for tuning in and joining us today. Um, as always, you can pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the resources on the site. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you.